Welcome to episode 10. Man, 10 episodes already of bikes, bands, beers, and backpacks where I discuss my favorite things in life, including motorcycles, live music, adult beverages, and exploring nature and road trips. On today's episode, it's Movie Monday, where I break down some of my favorite movies and how they stack up to the four Bs. Today's episode, the 1996 classic Swingers. Stick around. Comes back first. Mm, see, that's the thing, is somehow they know not to come back until you really forget. There's the rub. Swingers holds a very special place in my heart. I was first introduced to this movie actually the same day I saw Clerks. So I uh, went to Luther High School here in Regina, which is a private high school. And even though I lived in, I was able to live at home because I live in Regina, there were boarding students or dormitory or dorm students, we called them. So I'd often hang out with them. And on Saturdays, they would usually rent a bunch of movies from Blockbuster. R.I.P. Blockbuster, and we'd spend the day watching them. So there was a student down from Saskatoon who was there to upgrade. So he was already, I think he was already 19, and he uh, he said you need to watch uh, Swingers and you need to watch Clerks. So it was great, uh, great to be introduced into the independent movies. And kind of from that day, seeing what you know a low-budget independent movie could be, and there's also new film classes at Luther had me wanting to be involved in film uh, for a few years and even into university ended up taking a few university classes. The Swingers stars a very young, very young and a very thin John Favreau and Vince Vaughn. It was written by John Favreau. He had uh, been in LA for a few years trying to make it there. Now he, you know, he, everyone, kind of a household name. He's the director of the Iron Man movies as well as the new uh, Jungle Book reboot. And I think he's doing, is it Aladdin? Someone, or Lion King, Lion King. So he'd been in a few movies like uh, PCU, if you haven't seen that one, that's a good one. Where my One of my favorite lines is, uh, Gutter, what are you doing? You can't wear that shirt. You can't wear the shirt of the band you're going to go see. So that's why you'll never see me wearing the shirt of a band I'm going to go see. <laughs> and he was more, more famously, he was D-Bob in Rudy. So it was his first movie script and he made it basically next to nothing using his friends and... Uh, you know, there was also another unknown, Vince Vaughn, who was also in Rudy. He's the he's the quarterback who gets yelled at by the coach at Notre Dame because he's not hustling as hard as Rudy. Uh, it was right before Vince Vaughn became a household name, though, when he was the photographer in Jurassic Park 2, even though Jurassic Park 2 is called The Lost World, but whatever. And then, you know, he was in old school, and kind of everyone knows who he is now. Also, Ron Livingston was in that. He was a complete unknown. Um, he's one of, one of Favreau's friends. Uh, and then he starred in the other uh, classic 1990 indie film, Office Space, which is, if you've never seen that movie, make sure you get out and see it. Most importantly, it did introduce me and the rest of the world to the lovely Heather Graham, who went on to star, of course, in Austin Powers and some films from then. The story basically revolves around Favreau's character, Mike, who had recently moved uh, to L.A. from Queens, New York, to try and make it as an actor. He broke up with his girlfriend of uh, six years and can't seem to get over her. So he's moved across the country, can't get over. So his friends, Trent... And Sue, his dad was a big Johnny Cash fan. Charles and Rob exploring you know, the L.A. nightlife, focusing on this new wave swing scene that arose in, uh, in L.A. in the 1990s and spread everywhere else. So, uh, More importantly to this podcast, the movie includes lots of edible beverages, lots of live music, and a nice quick little road trip off to Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas. 
I get it. Joy's on the rocks. What do you get? Budweiser. Joy's on the rocks, not five. Let's start with the adult beverages consumed in this movie. Uh, as you just heard, Mike's uh, go-to drink at a bar is Dewar's on the Rocks. Now, Dewar's is a low-priced blended Scotch whiskey, much like a you know a Johnny Walker or something like that. So I have had it a couple times, mostly due to this movie. Okay, well, 100% due to this movie, and it's not bad. I do prefer a Johnny Walker, or now I you know I it would just a nice bourbon you usually can get for the same price. So. Another classic scotch scene happens when they are in Vegas and uh, a waitress is asking them for their drink and Mike tries to play it off all cool. The scotch on the rocks, please, any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course, uh, single malt, Glen Olivet, Glen Fittick perhaps, maybe Glen Gow, any Glen. Scotch on the rocks. Obviously it doesn't really work out for him. Uh, another scotch reference happens when they're at a party up in the hills and their buddy Charles is trying to drink all the Glenfiddich before it's out, and then that, you know, that place is dead anyway. The go-to beer in this movie, and pretty much the only beer consumed, is Budweiser. Now, I'm not sure if that was, you know, their choice, if it was a sponsored, probably not, in a low-budget movie like this, or if it was just, you know, the cheap, readily available beer that you can get everywhere and doesn't cost you a lot of money to put in your, in your movie, so... This is also in the mid-90s before, you know, the craft beer revolution really got going. So hard to imagine these, you know, these cool characters that wouldn't either be into, you know, a hipster beer like Pabst Blue Ribbon or some IPA or something like that if this movie were to be to be remade now. Now, there is a famous uh, NHL 95 scene, which includes a delivery from uh, Pink Dot, which, uh, again, blew my mind as a 15-year-old that you could just call someone up and order food and beer and have it delivered right to your apartment. They're drinking uh, Budweiser Tallboys there. They also hit up uh, Speakeasy and discuss how cool it is to make it in there, even you know, to even know about the secret bar. They go to a cool, now somewhat famous bar called the Dresden in Los Feliz area of LA. Mike orders his usual doers on the rocks and tries to impress a lady by buying her another martini with a bunch of olives on it. Doesn't really work out. You know, things were going well until the lady remembered that she had met Mike earlier when he came in to Starbucks to apply for a job. Now, this brings me to my most favorite scene in the movie where they're going uh, to a club to watch Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. We'll have a little bit more of them in a little bit. And they get to go in the back way because there's a line and they know the bouncers and they get to go through the kitchen. Now, it's obviously an homage to the famous scene in Goodfellas, but hey, I still love it. And, uh, and then it kind of always feel cool when you get to go in the back way of a venue or, you know, hang out backstage with bands or that kind of stuff. So back way, they get, so they go in the back way and they have a, you know, a reserve booth for them and they push all the, the water glasses and the cutlery out of the way and just start ordering the drink. So seems cool to me now, but it seemed even cooler to a 15 year old kid, right? So Mike drinks scotch, Sue's drinking, Bud and Trent is a martini. So they have kind of the three classic beverages there that you would have at a, at a, at a nightclub. So they also take a few shots. And Mike finally works up the courage to go speak to Heather Graham's character uh, named Lorraine and they hit it off and he gets her number and everything like that. And just as he's um, getting ready to call her, then Mike's ex-girlfriend calls and he decides to let her go and keep talking with Lorraine and go out on a date with uh, her for Frank Sinatra's birthday. So, uh, and that's basically kind of the end of the movie if you're doing the quick cold notes. So I'll give this a strong solid nine out of 10 for the adult beverages as uh, quite a few of them. It would be nice to have a few different beers, but uh, pretty cool uh, selection and 
in kind of one of my first introduction into the different kinds of scotch out there. Now, as far as motorcycles, there's nothing really. The only mention is uh, kind of at the end here when Mike is uh, walking walking Lorraine to her car and he jokingly says, you know, this is my hog referring to the motorcycle there, which uh, it basically it. There's no other real motorcycle, so I'd give it enough. Uh, at least you're mentioning it, so I'll give you a one out of 10 on that. Now, as far as live music, when they go to the uh, the Dresden restaurant, the famous local act, Marty and Lorraine are playing a, you know, a little jazzy version of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Now, they don't sound very good, but I think that's kind of their appeal and just some background music to have uh, in the bar. But what really highlights the movie is a three-song live performance by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. That happens at the end of the film. Now, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy was kind of one of the bigger bands to come out of that uh, mid-90s, it's early to mid-90s uh, swing scene that kind of became popular. So you had uh, bands like them and Cherry Poppin' Daddies and Brian Seltzer Orchestra, Squirrel Nut Zippers, uh, and even some of, you know, some of the ska music that came out, um, like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, that kind of stuff, was all kind of into that same same scene there. So they uh, this is when they get in the, you know, the backstage uh, or the back way into the bar and they will get into uh, get into the club as they're playing uh, Probably their biggest hit which was you and me in the bottle makes three tonight uh, There's just couples swing dancing all over the place. you spinning around tossing the girls in the air It looks pretty awesome it even looks awesome enough that in grade 10 after seeing this it might have been early in grade 11. I did take uh, I did take some swing lessons with uh, a friend of mine Sabine who was a dorm student at Luther so we'd watch this movie together uh, and it was fun just to learn some you know dance tricks I guess I kind of remember some of it but not a whole whole lot um, Big Bad Booty Daddy then plays a you know a quieter song that's just kind of in the background that's when Mike's talking to Lorraine and gets up the nerve to ask her to dance so they're slow dancing to this song and then they uh, pick it back up with the big hit of theirs called Go Daddy O and Mike and Lorraine realize they both know how to swing dance and that's kind of how they they hit it off so just a great um greatly i really like how it was filmed you know the dancing all over the place interspersed with shots of the band and shots of trent and sue continuing to drink and being confused by how good of a dancer mike is so enough to give this movie i would give it a eight out of ten for live music one of my favorite movies with uh with live bands in it well, now for the road trip. Now the film uh, begins with Mike feeling, you know, down on the dumps about his woman situation. He's broken up with his girlfriend over a long time, six years, to get to, you know, move to L.A. And he's not over her and he wished that she would have came with him and can't find any ladies out here. So he's, he's moping around and Trent says, you know, we got to get you out of this rut. We need to go to Vegas. And so he bullies him into going to Vegas with him, driving there on a Wednesday night. Uh, it's already dark out and it doesn't really say exactly what time it is, but probably, I don't know, I guess seven or eight, nine o'clock. Now the drive to Vegas from LA is famous for people thinking that it'll be quick, we'll be there, you know, won't take long, we'll be there, we'll be gambling, it'll be lots of fun, but it always just seems to take forever. 
It is only about 275 miles or about 440 kilometers. It is basically all an interstate, so it really shouldn't take too long, but I'm guessing, you know, when you're excited to get to Vegas and party and gamble and drink and do whatever you do in Vegas, that long drive through the desert, and in this case in the dark, would just feel excruciatingly long. They finally get there and decide to go to one of the older casinos instead of the Strip. Uh, Mike tries to look like he's a big shot, again, ordering good drinks and thinking gambling with what he thinks is a lot of money, which of course it isn't. But they, they do play it cool enough to, uh, to get invited for a drink with a waitress. Um, they grab some breakfast and then meet her and her friend and then end up back at her Airstream where things go sideways thanks to Mike talking about his ex-girlfriend all the time. So then they leave there and drive straight back to LA. So it's a pretty rough 18 or hour or so road trip. Once you know you decide to get out there, they're wearing suits, so they had to get those all ready and then drive out there, do a little gambling, drinking, breakfast, ladies, back in the car, back to LA. So quick but also long road trip at the same time. Now Trent's amazing Cadillac convertible gives this road trip at least another point on the 4B scale and I want to give them another point. It's not quite a road trip but the adventure they had to take driving up into the Hollywood Hills to try and find the party is almost a road trip in itself and this cool slow motion stuff they do in there again ripping off uh, classic movies like Goodfellas and Reservoir Dogs but that's okay it still looked cool so I would give this one a 6 out of 10 on the road trip scale. So overall, Swingers gets a 9 out of 10 for adult beverages, a 1 out of 10 for motorcycles, 8 out of 10 for live music, and a 6 out of 10 for road trips, giving it a 4B total of 24 out of 40. Not too bad, and obviously much higher than Field of Dreams if you happen to watch that episode. If you haven't, or listened to that episode, I guess, if you haven't, go ahead and check that out on my iTunes account. And hopefully you guys have enjoyed today's Movie Monday on bikes, bands, beers, and backpacks. Let me know if you have any suggestions of movies I should rate in the future. I'm trying to do this more. I've been busy coaching high school football, but it's slowing down a little bit now. So hopefully you get uh, some more podcasts coming at you. So thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down.